I'm Jimmy James. I'm Carl Knapp. Carl is a practicing attorney in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. We're longtime friends, and once a week we get together to talk about divorce, child support, custody, criminal law, and much more. So come hang out, because this is Just Lawing Around. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Just Lawing Around Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about divorce planning. And what we mean by that is some of the steps that you should be taking if you're thinking about getting a divorce or thinking about starting a divorce. There's some steps and some good tips that we can give you that you should be doing before you even file for divorce to get prepared for it. Um, Carl, what kind of tips do you have for that? Yeah, I think it's important, as you said, if people are thinking about getting a divorce, and usually it's an ongoing process, people think about it and then they decide they're not going to do it and they think about it some more and they're not going to do it. But if you really are anticipating getting a divorce, you know, in the upcoming months or something, we're going to give you some of these tips uh, to kind of some things you should really look at because you don't want to go into this blindly and and unprepared because if you do that, it's going to make things a lot harder on you and it's going to make the process a lot slower and a lot uh, more expensive. Right. So one of the one of the first things I tell people is if you're going to get get a divorce is to try to get as much information as you can get your hands on cuz while you're still living with your spouse, you really should be trying to obtain financial documentation, uh, tax returns if you have access to the tax returns. If you have bank account statements, if you have statements from you know 401ks or retirement accounts, because ultimately when you file for divorce, one of the claims is generally equitable distribution. And equitable distribution is based on, you know, what kind of property you own during the marriage. Right. And so, I think I think the reason that this tip is so important is because once you file for divorce, the spouse that you're divorcing may complicate you getting some of this information. Yeah. A a lot of times you may have access to it. A lot of people, you know, may have, may have a filing cabinet in the house where they can go and look, or they, they have a, a, a folder on the computer where they scan stuff and they save, you know, pay stubs and W2s and tax returns on there. It's easy. It's just, copy all that stuff and get it off site. Right. But yeah, once people know that they're getting divorced, stuff stuff tends to disappear, like you said. So, well, yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's like internet based and login based and you might not have the login. It might just be something that your spouse handles and you never deal with. And all they got to do is change the login or you just don't know it. So you don't have access to it, you know? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people don't have access to their spouses, you know, their, their, pay stubs or W-2s, their 401ks. Um, but yeah, if if they do, you know, you, you take a look at that kind of stuff, at least if you have a ballpark, uh, you know, if you say, hey, I know my husband has, I saw a, I saw a statement, I know he has at least $300,000 in in his IRA, or I know, I know he has a bank account with TD Bank because I see mail come from TD Bank. Right. Any any of that kind of information is like super helpful when you go go through a divorce. You can you can also look if you have joint accounts. Look at where the money comes in and goes out to. You right, know, a lot of always follow the money. <laughs> follow the follow the money, right? Because there could be transfers into the account and then transfers out 
to other accounts. And, you know, sometimes people put money in a, in a joint checking account and then they move it to a savings account or they move it to a brokerage account. Any, any of that information that you can get ahead of time will simplify your life because because when you do go and hire a lawyer the lawyer's going to say to you okay what what are your marital assets what do you own right and the more you know uh, the the quicker the process will be and then you don't have to go and and try to reconstruct everything you own during the marriage that's almost like one of the how to save money tips the podcast we yeah. did it's like if you just come prepared with all this paperwork you might save time with this lawyer, which will ultimately save you some money. Yeah, you you save you save a lot of time, and you can also you're going to get a better feel for you know how much money you're going to get out of this. Right. If you know you have a million dollars in assets, well, okay. If you're going to get divorced, you know you're going to get some money. If you don't have a clue, you know I I don't know. My husband or my wife has has ten thousand dollars or ten million dollars. That that's a little harder to plan for because you don't you don't have any information you don't have any knowledge and they're not like when you when you're going through a divorce your your spouse the person you're divorcing they're not obligated to present this information right or so like basically if they had a hundred thousand dollars in an account that you didn't know about do they have to disclose of that or is it only if it's brought up. They're supposed to doing the discovery processes and that's like when the lawyers ask each other for financial documentation you're supposed to disclose that information legally you're supposed to disclose it right so okay. you know i i would generally send a, a document request to the other lawyer and say hey i need all financial information from your client including any 401ks iras it's very broad right okay are there people that i i have had people on both sides of the coin that say, hey, my wife doesn't know I have a savings account oh with, my uh, gosh. with TD Bank. No wonder you're getting divorced. <laughs> well, and and a lot of, you see both sides. Some, some couples, they know everything about the other party. Other couples, one party may know everything about the finances and the other party doesn't know anything. Right. So it's not uncommon for people to have accounts that the other party doesn't know about. I mean, I I probably have small accounts, you know, that are floating around that my wife probably doesn't know about. Yeah, but you see the way I'm <laughs> thinking. I, I'm thinking maliciously. Yeah. You're you're thinking innocently. I, I'm thinking like if people are trying to hide money because I'm sure that happens all yeah. the time. Yeah. Look, if if you go into a marriage and you're hiding money. And and you don't tell your lawyer and you don't tell your spouse and you you have a a bank account somewhere that nobody knows about. Is it going to come up in the divorce if you don't disclose it? Probably not, uh, unless it shows up like on a tax return. You know, sometimes if if you get a certain amount of interest or you get a certain amount of capital gains. Then at the end of the year, they send you a tax document and you have to report that right. on your on your taxes. So a lot of those accounts will show up when you look at a tax return. You'll say, OK, well, he had he had interest of, you know, three hundred dollars from TD Bank. 
I don't see a TD Bank statement here. Right. Okay. So they so, follow them. They follow the money trail. Yeah, you follow the money trail, and and tax returns are a big one. Now, look, if if you're hoarding cash in the basement, it, it's not going to show up anywhere. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, if if every you know month you take five hundred dollars cash and you put it in a duffel bag somewhere in the attic. <laughs> And you get divorced and you walk out with that duffel bag. <laughs> yeah, but the problem it, is that money's going to pop back up, right? It it, it, it probably, it, it might, you know, it might. It depends on how careful you are. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's not yeah, go down I'm that. Careful. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> money laundering. <laughs> money laundering 101. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not telling people to do Call that. Paul Goodman, you know? Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, like our, our first tip, as I said, is to, is to get informed. A lot of these things, you know, kind of play off, get informed. One of the things I tell people to do is, you know, personal property in in your house. And that's that's your TVs, that's your furniture, that's, you know, any artwork that you have. Oh, artwork could probably be a big one, huh? Yeah, some people have some expensive pieces uh, yeah. of artwork. Um, most people just... You know, have have run in the mill stuff. Most of the time, personal property is not all that valuable. But some people, I I tell people like make a list of what you have, video it. You know, nowadays you just you take your phone and you you go through the house and you say, okay, here's the bedroom, here's what's in here, right? Because a lot of that stuff will disappear. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> disappear very quickly. So it's, is it important that if you, if you document it in that video before the divorce and it does disappear, that, that video will basically solidify that item? Yeah, that would be at least evidence that the item existed. Right. I have people that say, oh no, you know, we, we sold that, remember? We, we sold that, uh, we sold that painting like two years ago. Um, I think that's a huge valuable tip. Like I, I didn't even consider that. Yeah. If you walk around your house with a video camera showing all of the personal items and items in the house that you own, that you think you're going to debate over and then something disappears. Well, now you know who did it. Like, well, yeah, you know, why yeah, would you, yeah. why would you steal something that you're trying to split and prove that exists? You know? Yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. And cause, cause people will say, and sometimes it may be stuff that you don't, you know, like I may have stuff, you know, in my basement or my attic that you don't, you know, you don't see it every day. Right. If you come home and your flat screen is not on the wall anymore, you're going to you're know. notice that. Yeah. <laughs> flat screen's missing. But if, if you had something, maybe, you know, a, some coins or something, a coin collection or something in the basement. Right. And, and then you get a divorce and your wife says, Hey, what happened to the, the coin collection? Oh, well, I, you know, I, I got rid of that, you know, a couple of years ago. Remember when we went on vacation, I sold that and we used the money when we went to Florida. Right. Well, I, you know, that gets a little dicey, you know? Right. How do you prove but, that? Unless it turns yeah, up and you have evidence of it. Right. Yeah. Because if it was spent during the marriage, it's gone. Um, and and rightfully, know, I mean, nobody really can get in trouble for that. Cor correct. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you, if you have some some video proof of some of this stuff it, it can help you now i don't you know mostly personal property doesn't have that much value as we've talked about a little bit before you know a, a used sofa is a used sofa it, you know you're not talking about if, even if you spend a thousand dollars on the sofa when you get a divorce court it's 
you know, it may be a hundred dollar item. Right. right? So, but, but some people may have some, some valuable things could be jewelry. Um, you know, you, you have that, that necklace that you only wear once a year. Right. And then when you <laughs> sentimental value or something. Right? Yeah. And then when you get divorced court, you say, wait, what happened to that, that thing? And she goes, Oh, you know, remember I, I lost that. I pawned it to pay for the lawyer to divorce you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, now, yeah, I, want, I know this may be an interesting question, but I'm, I, I'm curious. And it's something that popped up in my head. What about animals? Like how, how do they get divided? Because <laughs> there's no yeah, custody animals, for animals, right? No, there is no custody for animals. <laughs> <laughs> animals are, are animals are treated like personal property. Okay. So animal is the same as like your kitchen table. <laughs> so, I know so many people who would listen to this and go yeah. nuts about that statement. <laughs> oh, no, look, people are. I, I have people that that go crazy over pets, and I get it. And, I get that connection. No, they, and they get pissed. Like if, you know, somebody, somebody leaves the house and, and they take the pet and, you know, I, one of the, you know, pieces of advice I, I tell people is if there's something, you know, unique or valuable or something like, like you can't replace like a, you know, a, a passport, you can get another one. But if you're going to leave the house, take your passport, take your birth certificate and some people include the dog or the cat in that. <laughs> they, they grab the cat and, you know, you can't really file an emergency custody petition. That's hilarious. For, for the cat or the dog. But it's, it's hilarious because I also understand it, you know? Like, yeah, and pe- people get, I, I've, you know, I, I've had a, I had a case the, the, the wife left and she took, there were, I think, two or three dogs. I don't know. And would not give the dogs back. And the husband was pissed. He was like, I am not settling this case until I get my dogs back. I am not. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, what do you, uh, like, you know, yeah, it's like having, it's almost like having a kid taken away. I mean, that's a, that's a part of the family, you know? Yeah. And, and the courts aren't going to, I've, I've never had a case. I'm sure there are cases, but I've never had a case where you actually litigate over who gets the cat or who gets the dog. Right. Um, <laughs> they definitely had, exist. They've got to. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sure they exist. And I, I've had people, I've had people put uh, things in, in like property settlement agreements that says, you know, the cat or the dog will go back and forth each week. Are you um, for real? Yeah. Yeah. I've had those. And that's, that's an that's, enforceable that's a agreement. agreement. Like, what it, do you, it's not, that, yeah, <laughs> it's all, it sounds like custody, right? But it's not enforceable in custody court, but it's the same. <laughs> I guess if, if we said, look, we have a, we have a sure house, right? We're not going to sell it, but uh, you know, I get to use it in, in July and my wife gets to use it in August and I get to use it in September. So I, I, you could have some sort of agreement like that. Same thing with the cat or the dog. How, how you know? long do you think with an animal that an agreement like that lasts before they get tired of doing it? The animal or the person? Well, <laughs> the, the animal is probably fed up from the start. But, you know, like <laughs> five, six years from now, do you think they're really still meeting up at Wawa and swapping the dog? <laughs> well, probably not. I mean, you know? I mean someone, yeah, someone's going to go out and buy a, a new dog dog uh the, the, the case i had the guy just kind of gave up um, oh it sucks he, man 
he, he was just it's not like, much he could do, right? He's just spending all this money to try and fight something that's just going to be dragged out. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of rough on the dog too, and, you know, <laughs> moving the dog back and forth every week. Um, I have some people that like if they have kids, I, I've I've seen I've seen you know people that have custody of their kids, and they say, okay, when you have the kids, you know, the cat goes with you. Oh my so gosh. So the cat travels with the kids, you know. Yeah, that's, I've seen, that's kind of. Funny. I've had those. I have those cases. You know, Fluffy goes. You know, when you have the weekends with the kids, Fluffy goes with the kids. <laughs> um, all right, you know, it, it boils down to how much money you want to spend fighting over a cat or a dog. Look, I like pets, but I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars, and no, no judge is really going to have a hearing on, on the cat or the dog. Right. I, I, I guess they would, but they're not going to be happy about it. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah, no, that popped up in my head. But I guess no, uh, I, your next tip written up, up that we have in the notes here is uh, obtain a copy of your credit report. Now, I was as soon as I saw that, I was wondering, like, what does your credit report have anything to do with divorce? Yeah, cre- credit report, a couple of things on a credit report. One, it'll give you your credit score. So it's it's always good to know your credit score because if you're getting divorced and say you have to move out and rent an apartment or something, or you have to refinance, say, to buy your house, uh, buy your spouse out of your house, um, you you know you you should know kind of what your credit is because uh, if you have crappy credit and you go to rent an apartment, you might have trouble getting an apartment. Right. The, okay. the other thing about a credit report, I don't know if you've run one lately, but it, it will show any open accounts in your name. So if if you run a credit report, it'll show all credit cards in your name. It'll show any kind of loans in your name, which can be important in terms of a divorce because debt is also part of a divorce. You divide up debt, too. And, and you want to know if your name is on a joint credit card with your spouse, that's something you probably want to get canceled. You know, you want to cancel that credit card because you don't want your spouse racking up charges. Right. And they don't pay them, and then it messes up your credit. Wait, so, wait, if a, if a spouse racks up a, a credit card in the middle of a divorce, how does that work? Like, Would you, would you both still be liable for that? It, it depends. I mean, if it's a marital debt uh, and it was incurred during the marriage then you could both be responsible for it. Well, sure. But I'm saying like, you know, I want to get divorced. I I come to you. I forget that Mm -hmm. we had a credit card together. She's got a copy of it. She runs up. She knows I'm divorcing you. So she takes my credit card and and maxes it out just in spite. I think under that circumstance, the court is probably going to make her pay it. That's good to know. Yeah. Because if somebody just racks up debt... Uh, right before they get a divorce or file for divorce, the courts are going to look at that and say, you know, that's that's on you. It's right. the same thing. If, look, if, I, if I'm going to get divorced next month and I take $50,000 out of my bank account and and then, you know, I file for divorce two weeks from now, they're going to somebody's going to look at that and go, well, hold on. Wh- where'd that 50 grand go? Right. Oh, well, you just spent it. Probably spend it on what? Like, I mean, we flew to Vegas. What you know? What did right. you do with it? Right. You got. You got to explain it. You got to explain where it went. And if it looks like it's deliberate, like, oh, I, I took fifty thousand dollars out because I wanted to give you know my mother a nice Christmas gift. So I so I gave mom a fifty thousand dollar check. 
Oh my god! You know, no, nobody's nobody's going to buy that. That's that's going to come back. Even if I did give it to my mother, they're going to say, "No, that's marital money." Right. That you you just deliberately got rid of it to you know screw your spouse out of money. So, but like legitimate credit card debt, you know, there are people that carry a balance on their credit cards. And, you know, if, if that's what happened during the marriage, you know, hey, we always had 10 or 15 grand balance on this credit card during our marriage. And then when you get divorced, there's still 10 or $15,000 balance. That's a legitimate marital debt. Right. And, okay. the, and then the that court, gets split up. That gets split up or the court's going to say, OK, t- t- take take money out of the joint account and pay off that credit card debt. Or, you know, wife, you're responsible for the credit card debt, but we're going to give you more of the assets so you can pay that off. So it it is something that you want to be aware of because you don't want to get stuck with a debt or find out that there's some sort of loan. I've I've had people, you know, find out, well, I, I don't remember ever signing off on that, you know, on that personal loan. And lo and behold, it's like, you know, it's on their credit report. And then we find out maybe husband forged wife's name or something like that. But you've had that before? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh actually gosh. not that's actually not that uncommon where one party just signs the other yeah, party's but that's name. Going, that's going beyond just screwing a marriage. I mean, that's actual fraud. It's it's actual fraud, although when you you know, when you're in the context of a marriage, you know, it's 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 kind of gray, right? Because if two people are happily married, most people are until they get divorced. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there there could be something where I sign my wife's name and and I'm going to say, hey, she, she authorized me to sign her name. So it's not really fraud. She knew about it. Now, she's going to say, I didn't know about it. Right. I knew nothing about it. I'm going to say, well, yes, yes, you did. You know, we talked about it. We had to borrow money to pay the kids college. So we took a home ec loan and we both signed off on it. All right, so I guess that's not yeah. that different than like, yeah. you know, I've had friends where, you know, hey, can you run to the store and grab some things for me for whatever reason, right? So you run to the store, they give you the debit card and you swipe it and it comes up that right. you have to sign for it. Well, yeah, exa- they're exactly. signing for it under their permission, even though they're not there. So I guess it's kind of the same concept. Yeah, the, the way I would look at it is you're, you're authorized, you know, you've authorized them to sign your name. You've right. given them permission. Now, I... I most people will, you know, when you get to the divorce, they're going to say, no, I didn't authorize him. And he's going to say, yes, you did. And she's going to say, no, I didn't. And then, okay, now now you may have an issue to litigate in front of a court somewhere. But, okay. you know, it's not that uncommon to see stuff like that. I mean, people sign their wife's names and people sign their husband's names kind of all the time. You see it a lot like when you get... Um, a it used to be, and it's not as frequent anymore. But if you get a joint check, right, and it's payable to husband and wife, and they do those, <laughs> yeah, they used. To, I was thinking they used to get like if you got a tax refund, they would the IRS or the Treasury would send you a check payable to the two of you, and yeah, it's both names on it. But you know, I, I have a over the years, there's a lot of cases where somebody takes the check. And they deposit it into their account and they sign the other spouse's name. Um, Interesting. That, okay. that, happens, that happens a lot. You I'm know. surprised well, the bank lets that. I'm surprised the bank lets it too. Um, 
I think they've cracked down a little bit on it, but, you know, I've had cases over the years where, you know, the guy's waiting for the refund check and it never comes. And then, you know, he, he reaches out to the IRS and the IRS is like, oh yeah, we sent that six months ago. And then it turns out, you know, wife took it and deposited it into her account. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. You know, in the yeah. interest of talking about, uh, Divorce. Do you know what the number one cause of divorce is? They they usually say financial problems. Is that right? Nope. Is that the, is that the wrong answer? Okay. The wrong answer. Um, it's okay. It's I, just, I figured halfway through I'd slip in a dad joke. Was, did, you, did you Google this or is this your just your theory on this the number is just one cause? I'm me being a dad. Uh, <laughs> the number one cause of divorce. Everybody listen. You guys ready? The number one cause of divorce is marriage. <laughs> I agree. If, if, if you never want to get divorced, it's really, really simple. You can, you just never get married. <laughs> right? Bill Burr said a good joke once. He's like, I don't understand why people get married. I look at these lines. It's like, oh, is this the line to lose half my stuff? Like, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's true. Look, I, we'll do. We'll have to do a whole podcast on it. But you know, I have my theories about marriage too right you know what why they break up and and you know I, I think a lot of people shouldn't get married in the first place i've probably said that on other podcasts but no i agree uh, i think a lot of marriages are pushed for the wrong reasons the yeah. wrong ways the wrong time with the wrong people I, no i totally agree with that i think people get caught up in the idea of it and then they realize you know they all want to be the center of attention they want to have a big you know wedding that they can put on facebook and instagram and oh look at me um, right. um this is one and then you know two years later you're stuck with this person and you know and they're you're looking not getting to, along they're, yeah. they're, they're looking to repost on social media <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like no no it's true that's very uh, true it's very unfortunate but no i i agree with those theories it's this whole you know i don't want to get too far down the down the path but it's this whole you know bachelor bachelorette mentality right, right. like oh we all want to fall in love we all want to get engaged we all want to have this beautiful wedding that you know the network pays for <laughs> right right and, you know and then all of a sudden you know when all that that you know uh magic wears off you know you're stuck with somebody that you may not get along with all that well you may not be compatible with um, right and i and, think a lot of then, people reach out to marriage to try and save relationships too yeah that doesn't work no it never does <laughs> that never works nor nor having another kid that yeah. does not <laughs> i sound like you deal save. with these two things a lot huh <laughs> <laughs> well things were bad so we figured we'd have another kid okay <laughs> get a dog <laughs> Yeah, that's not a great... <laughs> Fight about a, a dog idea. when you're getting divorced, not a kid. Exactly. It's cheaper than custody. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, start saving money was uh, one of the ones that you had on here. Now, obviously, paying for a lawyer and paying for a divorce can get costly, uh, but what other reasons would you suggest start saving money? And if you do start saving money before you're divorced, at what, what point does it not become a marital finance you know where yeah. where it would be both of yours that's actually that's actually a good a good question because when i say you know start saving money because because yes divorces are expensive you have to if, if you're going to hire a lawyer most lawyers are going to want a retainer so you you're going to need money for that or you're going to put it on a credit card um 
you uh, when I say save money, I would I would put money in an account that's in your name alone that your spouse does not have access to because you don't want to put money in a joint account and then have it disappear. Right. Because obviously a joint account both both parties have access to it. Right. If you are saving during the marriage, even though it's going into an account in your name alone, yes, it is still a marital asset subject to distribution. Right. But the the point, one of the points is when you first separate, it, it, it becomes a cash flow problem, right? Because you need, you need to say, if you're leaving, you need to go out and you need to, you know, put put a security deposit down on an apartment and you need to pay movers to move your stuff and then you got to need to hire a lawyer and you know so you you can spend a whole bunch of money very quickly I can tell you live a wealthy life <laughs> Dude, why is that <laughs> you gotta hire movers no the movers are my three best friends they're coming over they're getting a pizza and they're helping right. me move this stuff <laughs> you said you, hire you, movers i'm like all right he's got money <laughs> you, you probably have better you probably have better friends than i do maybe <laughs> that might be true too <laughs> but yeah so but if you don't have access to money and and even though that money may ultimately be considered you know marital money down the road but you got to be able to get to money. So, right. you know, if you if all your money's in a joint account and your spouse grabs that money, you're screwed. Like you don't have you have no access to money. I mean, you can try to run. You can say, "Oh, I've got to run to court and I've got to file an emergency petition and get that get him to return the money or get her to return the money." But you know, you got to pay for all that. Right. So, if you have money set aside somewhere, at least you can tap into it. You, you may have to account for it later, but at least it's your money. It's in an account that you have access to and it's going to get you by because if you, even if you're filing for child support or you're filing for spouse support, that might take a couple months for that kicks in. Right. So some people don't work. I mean, some people work, but they don't make a lot of money. So if you can squirrel away some money and have access to that it it definitely helps you in the early stages of the divorce. Okay. So no, that makes even sense. if it might count, yeah, you you know you got to it's like having, you know, a rainy day fund. You so know, it's not you, like you're trying you, to hide the money. You're just trying no. to secure the access to the money. Correct. You have to have access to the money because I do, you know, there are there are there are you know cases I get a lot that that one one party runs and you know goes to the bank and drains all the money. Right. And then I'm the sure other that happens party, a lot. I mean, it, it divorces are very emotional, it, very spiteful. I'm sure things like that happen very often. Oh, yeah. And depending on what lawyer you're dealing with, I generally don't recommend that. I, I think it's kind of kind of a crappy way to operate. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a dishonorable way for sure. Yeah, and the, and the judges don't like it. Look, if there's 10 grand in a, in a joint account, I might say to my client, look, go take half of it. You know, and and leave half of it. Right. You know, that, that way nobody's really been harmed. Right. Because that's what so, we'd end up having in court anyway. Yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen anyway. And then, you know, a judge isn't going to, like, rip my head off if, you know, if my client went and took the entire, you know, $50,000 account and the other party was, you know, had no money to, you know, pay the utilities or buy food. That, that doesn't look good. Right. So, yeah, it, it's more about access. You want to have an account that you have access that your spouse doesn't have access to because you're going to need that money 
especially in the beginning of a divorce until, you know, a support order kicks in and until you realize, you know, how much money you're going to need for the lawyer and how much money you're going to need for, you know, the deposit if you're getting, you know, if you're going to rent a place as opposed to move in with your parents. Which, right. You know, no, no, that makes sense. It makes more sense. When I first read it, I was a little bit, okay, like, how does this work? But that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with opening a credit card in your name only. It's kind of the same safety net. Yeah, it's, it's a safety net because if you're usually if you're, you know, living together, you can get a credit card in your own name. You can put household income on it because you're still living in the same house and you have household income. So you're more likely to, you know, be approved for a credit card when you're still living together as husband and wife. Um, because, because if you go and you move out and then you have a new address and now you have new expenses and now your expenses are doubled because you have an apartment and you have a house, it's going to be harder to qualify for a credit card. And if you, you know, if you can get a card in your name, it's the same thing. Like most lawyers take credit cards. Right. So if you have to buy food, you can put it on the credit card. You have to put gas in your car. You can put it on the credit card. At least that buys you a little bit of time. You know, so so that you can at least stay afloat until, you know, you you get support coming in or you, you know, you get a better job or more income. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You don't want to financially freeze yourself out, which would probably be really bad. <laughs> yeah, look, a lot of people don't, you know, uh, you know, you, you have what's called the dependent spouse, which is usually the spouse who earns less or may not work at all. Right. Like stay-at-home so, moms or sometimes yeah, even dads are, are like that, right? Yeah, stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, you know, and you go and you say, oh, I'm going to get an apartment. Well, you know, you don't have any income. You may not have any assets in your name. Um, you may not even have a credit card. So, you know, you're kind of stuck. Right. And you can really get squeezed. You put yourself in a bad, a bad spot if, if you don't have, you know, have a little money stashed or, you know, you don't have a credit card in your name or you don't have rich parents that can bail you out. <laughs> or <laughs> rich lawyer friends. <laughs> I was going to say, is that, I should put that on my list too. <laughs> get a rich lawyer friend. Get a rich lawyer friend or get rich parents, but I guess you can't. can't really, you know, a lot of parents, times, yeah. yeah, a lot of times the parents pick up the pieces, you know, the people get divorced, they move home and the parents pay all the bills and sometimes they pay the lawyer bills. Yeah, no, no, that's true. So yeah, it's, it's something to think about. You so know? another one you put in here was thinking about, think about custody of your children. Now, how, how do you necessarily prepare for that? Like how, like, can you explain that? Like what, how do yeah. you think about custody of your children? Okay. I'm going to think about it, but like, what actually are you indicating I should be doing? Yeah. What if you, if you have kids and, and you're thinking about relocating, you think about moving out of, of the house and or or you may say, look, I'm going to stay in the house. And then, and then we have the whole question of, well, you may want to stay and the other party may want to stay, too. So what do you do? Uh, but you don't you disaster. don't want. Yeah. And I think we could do a whole podcast on what do you do with the house? Right. Um, and how do you get the other party out of the house? And but if if you're I, I tell people, just don't make like a, a rash de decision that's going to screw up your custody like some people say well i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna take the kids and i'm gonna go move in with my mother right i'm gonna go move in my mother's house right 
Okay, and that that may sound good, but you know, if, if mother lives, you know, in a one bedroom house, say in a bad area, and mother's an alcoholic, you know, you yeah, don't that changes things a lot. That's a bad, you know, it, it gets you out of the house, and you took the kids, but you know, the other party's going to run to custody court and go, hold on a minute, you know, she took the kids; they all live in a one bedroom house, and you know some bad area and her her mother is an alcoholic and and smokes all day long in the house so i don't want my kids there right so if if you do some i mean i tell people look think it through or i'm just gonna go move with my boyfriend i'm gonna take the kids with me well if the boyfriend's not a good guy or he doesn't have proper living arrangements or you know you can you can screw yourself up in terms of of custody so you want to take some time and say look maybe i don't want to move out because of my kids maybe i want to stay in the house with my kids um, so you can come up with something better right yeah yeah so i can come up with something better a lot of people they you know they get to the point like it's, it's just like a breaking point right so you're you're in a, a bad marriage and you know it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then they get to the point where they're just like, I got to get out. Right. I got to go. Right. And then they don't really think through, as we said, where they're going to go or where the kids are going to go or, you know, how the kids, well, I'm going to go live with my mother in the Poconos and I'm taking the kids. Okay. Well, how the kid's going to get to school, the kids go to school, you know, down here. Right. In Montgomery County. So you could, jeopardize your whole custody if you're not really planning this through or thinking about okay where am i going to go and am i going to have enough bedrooms for the kids and and am i going to be living with somebody who's not a good influence on the kids um yeah i guess there's a lot of factors definitely involving kids and the environments that they're in schooling doctors all that kind of stuff that it's all important factors about your kids and moving them around and all that yeah, and it's never it's never a good idea really to just uproot kids without some discussion with the other party. I mean, look if it's if it's an abuse situation or it's a dangerous situation, okay, you got to get out, right? Um, and you know you got to do what you got to do. Um, that's understandable. But if you say, hey, I, you know, I, I want to li- live with my children somewhere, you may ultimately want to stay in the house and i usually tell people if you think you want to want the house i usually tell people don't move out and you know we may have well yeah you want to maintain the residency yeah you don't want to it's it's tougher to get back into the house after you leave than if you just stay there and i have i have a lot of people that are stubborn and they both stay like, <laughs> i'm not leaving are you leaving nope i'm not oh, they, there's got to be a movie like that they got <laughs> you know what i mean i think did you ever you probably never saw it i think it was war of the roses i think it was called and now you gotta look that one up i'm gonna watch liar liar you're gonna watch war of the roses all right um, there you go they i think it was michael uh, Douglas, maybe, and and they both lived in the same house, and I don't remember that much. It was an older movie, but it was good. I think I have to go back now and watch it as a divorce lawyer. But they basically <laughs> they took a piece of like like white duct tape, 
and they like taped it like right down the middle of the house. Oh my so, gosh. Like, the husband like stayed on one side of the tape. <laughs> the wife stayed on the other side of the tape because neither of them neither one wanted to leave the house. So. <laughs> and neither one of them have to, I guess, right? No, like ultimately you that's something that you have to resolve at some point, but a lot of cases I have a lot of divorces that go on and the people are still in the house. Both of them. Could you imagine like going through a divorce and then like right after your hearing going home to that person? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's. That is not ideal. Eventually somebody, you know, breaks down. Sometimes you'll see it though, maybe with, you know, like older couples where they're not, they're not, they're not really killing each other. Right. They're just kind of. Just done with each other yeah, yeah they, so they coexist so so you know husband moves down to the spare bedroom or he you know he moves into the the, the finished basement and he kind of sleeps there and wife sleeps upstairs and they just kind of do their own thing oh you know and one of the questions I, I was going to ask earlier and i'm not really sure how to ask it maybe hopefully you'll just understand what i'm saying but is there is there more of an incentive to actually be divorced or is there anything wrong with being divorced, but not, or being married, but not like living married? Like, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like being separated. Is, is that what you mean? Or yeah, are you like, talking I mean, about like you're married, but not like people separate all the time and then they don't get divorced. Right. So, and I'm sure yeah. some people can do that. And if you do, is a separation, how does the separation work when it comes to finances? Is it just yeah. whatever you guys do and figure out at that point? Yeah, well, once you're separated, the the clock stops in terms of marital assets. Okay, and separation so, is something that needs to be filed, or is it just when you're not living together? It's just when you're not living together. Okay, or or when there's a divorce decree. Uh, sorry, divorce complaint filed. That's generally considered the date of separation. So, so if you physically separate from your spouse you move out and and you're living under separate roofs then anything you then acquire at that point is not marital so so if you know if if you separate for a year and you saved up ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars that's not marital money because it was it was earned and it was saved after you got separated Right. Now, I know there's some very unique situations where two people do live separately. You know, maybe they have a long-term relationship, but they're married. Like, how does that stuff work? Is that Does that follow the same guidelines as a, as a regular marriage? If you, and I'm not sure I understand totally what you're, like, if people have been separated for a very long time. Well, no, let's say, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me clarify. So, like, let, let's say I, I get married to somebody and, mm-hmm. you know, we don't live together or anything like that. And... Because there are marriages like that where people actually yeah. live in separate houses. And you could, and How that's, does that work? Yeah, that's actually kind of, kind of different because, you know, when we talk about separation for a divorce context, right, it's really two things. It's, it's, it's separating, you know, living under a separate roof, but it's also, you have to have the, the courts have said you have to have kind of some, you have to express your intent to be divorced. Okay. All right. That's so, important. Okay. So if you don't have that element, uh, like under your scenario, if if my wife and I, if my wife just likes to live at the shore, and 
and I like to live up here. Okay, we we could go on like that for you know forever, right? We're not we're not separated in, in terms of a divorce context, right? Okay, so that and element is a very key piece to that. That yeah, it's a very key piece because I, I have people. You may have I have sometimes that people like either travel a lot or they they have long term. Uh, like work commitments. So, you know, what wife lives in Pennsylvania and husband has to go to Germany for a year on so, a, on a work. So during work that time project. without the intention of divorce, then mm. anything acquired by either party is a marital asset, even though they're not living together for a period of time. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, you, you you have to have the intent to divorce because some people there are scenarios. Maybe somebody's in the military and they're away a lot, and and you know they they get an assignment and they're gone for nine months. They're not living together for that nine months, but they have no intention of being divorced. Right. They just so don't live together. You said that there is so one of the ways is when you file for divorce that that complaint for divorce. Yeah becomes the notice of that intention. Now, are there, mm -hmm. what if you're not ready or financially prepared to file for divorce, but you're both in agreement that you're separating? How would you, how would you make sure the courts are aware of that? So later down the road, they know that that clock stopped then and not when they filed. Yeah. And, and, and data separation, you can, yeah, I had a hearing uh, about a month ago on a data separation. And so it, it it can come up. I mean, you can have a dispute as to when we separated. Um, in in that case, there was a divorce complaint filed, and my my position was, look, that that's the date, and that's what the statute says. That's the date, right? Um, you know, sometimes the parties say, oh, well, we were trying to reconcile, or I, I just filed that because. You know, I, I I wanted to get my spouse's attention and, and you know, but I really didn't mean it. Um, yeah, I'm <laughs> well, sure there's a hundred different ways. Yeah. That, yeah, I got you. If you're under, if you're under a, a separate roofs and, and you kind of are no longer living as husband and wife is kind of what the courts look at. You know, if you wanted to be super cautious, you know, you, you could... You separate, you get a new place, and then, you know, you could technically send something and say, hey, you know, I've separated, and it's my intent to pursue divorce action against you. I think that does it, right? That's, right. that's okay. certainly clear. Yeah, absolutely. Usually, though, married people don't live under separate roofs. I mean, for the most part. I mean, Right, so can you have a data separation under the same roof? Yes. Yes, you can. Okay. Um, which it's the same thing. It could be like it, it could be that there's a pending divorce complaint. Um, because because I say I have people now that are going through divorces that live under live in the same house. So if that's the case, all right. So you're living in the house with this with the person that you're divorcing. What would your advice be as far as what their actions from there forward should be in regard to like maybe joint accounts, maybe uh, paying the bills together? Would you recommend that they start changing that stuff or just leave it how it is? It's, it's interesting. It, it depends. I guess it depends. Usually what happens is you, you have some discussion where, you know, if you, if both parties are putting their paychecks into a joint account, 
and mm-hmm. and then they pay the bills out of them. Usually, what happens is, you know, usually the parties will get new bank accounts in their name alone, and then they'll say, "Okay, look, every month I'm going to put two thousand in to the joint account. You put two thousand in, and then we'll pay the bills." Okay. So there's usually some sort of agreement that people discuss about paying the bills because they don't want to screw up their credit. Like a mortgage is generally in joint names. So if nobody pays it, it messes up both parties' credit. Right, okay. Um, Sometimes I I have, you know, uh, some cases where one party makes significantly more than the other. And they just continue to pay all the bills. They they pay the bills in the house because that's what they've done. Right. And and you'd say, why would they do that? Well, one is they want to protect their credit if if there's a mortgage or something. Two, they live in the house, so they don't want the you know the utilities to get shut off. Right. And, and then three is sometimes they do it because they figure if if I don't do it, you know, my spouse is going to move out, and then I'm going to get hit for support. And I don't want to get hit for support. Right. Okay. So as long as I'm kind of paying everything, I'm not going to get hit for support. So, yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff uh, that people do. It's usually a short-term thing, but they usually work out the details. Okay, look, I'm going to continue to pay these bills. You continue to pay those bills. And then we'll ultimately work out what we're going to do. We're going to sell the house. Or is somebody going to keep the house or is somebody going to buy the other person out of the house? Right. Okay. Um, All right. That makes sense. Yeah, Um, but it generally doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense just to touch on your original question. It doesn't make sense to, to separate and then not get divorced. People, but it does happen. It happens a lot. Well, I don't say a lot. It's not uncommon for people to separate. And then just not get divorced, especially maybe if you don't have a lot, like two people get married, right? And they rent an apartment or something and they have the apartment for two years or whatever. And they're like, you know what? This isn't working out. When, when a lease comes up, I'm going to go move back with my parents. And the other party's like, yeah, I'm going to go move in with my boyfriend. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they just don't, they never file to get divorced. That people do that, you know, and then they just, like you said, they go about their lives and they open their own bank accounts and they make their own money and they invest their own stuff. It it, comp- it can get complicated a little bit because being married, you know, you have problems with taxes, for example. If If you're married, you have to indicate that on your tax return. Right. You're either, you know, you file married as a couple or you file, file married filing separate. Right. Um, so, so that's a problem. And then a lot of times, um, you know, medical benefits. Some people just stay together because they can get medical benefits. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have people that like they delay divorce because they're like, look, I'm covered under my husband's medical. And if I get divorced, I can't be. Right. Okay. So from their standpoint, it makes sense to stay married. There sure, are some. Yeah. Estate- yeah, estate problems because if you if you die or if one party dies, technically you're still husband and wife. Well, how do the benefits work if uh, like the health benefits uh, at a date of separation? Does does that also? I'm, as long as you're married, you can keep your spouse on there. 
Okay, so until the finalized divorce, yeah, that's until valid. the divorce, right? Until the divorce decree goes through. Once the divorce decree goes through, you can't keep your spouse on there. Right, right. But but a date of yeah. separation is irrelevant in regard to benefits. Right, right. Ex yeah, exactly. And usually, part of I think we may have talked about it in the support one, but yeah, usually if part of the divorce is usually look until we get divorced, you have to keep me on your medical. Right. You know, you know, even though we're separated, even though we're going through the divorce, you can't drop me from your medical insurance. And I think it's also important to mention that people don't always have to go through this long, excruciating divorce process. I mean, if you're two level-headed people, you could do a pretty simple divorce, right? Yeah. Like you you can, just sign some papers and you're done. Yeah. If you, you know, depending on how much property you have or, or don't have, I mean, if you don't have anything yeah, it's really easy. Because there's nothing to divide, right? You, usually, the problem comes when you're dividing property, assets, houses, or cars, yeah, and stuff houses, like that. Cars, Businesses, right? Yeah, that's usually where it gets complicated. But and, if you don't have yeah, all that, you can both just yeah, make an agreement, sign some papers, and, and get divorced for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, yeah something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, a, there's a filing fee. Yeah, so you can do a filing fee and you can just ask for a divorce. You don't have to ask for equitable distribution. Right. You just say, judge divorce us. So, yeah, like in Montgomery County, I think the filing fee is about 300, 350 bucks or something. So you could file that, you know, you, you wait, you know, the period you got to wait and then you get divorced. It's not terribly complicated under that. As I said, it's usually the when you're fighting over the property where it gets complicated and that's where everybody gets all pissed off. Right. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants to move out of the house. Everybody wants more, but yeah, it's not that complicated to just say, if you just want to get a straight divorce, you keep what's in your name. I keep what's in my name. Yeah. That that's not, and I, I do those, I call those uncontested divorces. You know, I don't charge a ton for them, but like some of the, procedure's a little tricky if you haven't done it. You know, I do it day in and day out. Right. So Sometimes it's easier I, to pay someone to handle it. Yeah. So you pay somebody. I don't, as I said, I don't bill a tremendous amount, but you know, if it's, um, okay, I, I know that you got to file this paperwork and then you got to, you know, do this and then you got to wait so, so long and then you got to do this, this, and this, and this. I can do it way quicker just because I know how to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like copy paste for you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not <laughs> rocket science, but you know, um, you know, a, a plumber may be able to fix my my faucet way easier than I can, right? Because he does it every day. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. I could probably figure it out, but it might take me three hours to figure it out. And a couple extra broken pipes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could probably go on YouTube and say, okay, yeah, I can figure this out. But, hey, don't underestimate YouTube University. <laughs> hey. I I love YouTube University, you know. <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of YouTube lawyers that come in my office. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, you probably do. Everybody's a YouTube lawyer now, you know. Yeah, I say, you know, YouTube, you know, law school. They come in and they tell me, oh, okay, this is the way it is. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know what, you know, what state law you were watching on YouTube, but that's not right. <laughs> right, wrong state, buddy. <laughs> wrong state. Yeah, if you lived in if you lived in Nevada, you're right, but this is Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, well, I think uh, as we come up to the end here, is there any other divorce planning tips that you didn't add that you want to throw in there real quick? 
the only thing I would tell people is, look, if you're really thinking about getting divorced, you know, go go and just meet with a divorce lawyer. You know, spend spend an hour with somebody and and kind of get an idea about the process and and you know what you what you're going to be looking at. You know, in terms of cost and time and money, it's so much it's so much better for your frame of mind. At least if you just get some answers up front. Right. Yeah. So, so I would tell people, look, consult with somebody. I do these things a lot. You know, people come in, they pay me for an hour of time. We sit down. I give them a lot of advice. I give them kind of things I'm telling them now. Look, here's here's what you want to look at, and because you know it, it's better to get informed and and do it right than to just just do it and screw it all up. And then you come to the lawyer and you're like, oh, and the lawyer says, well, you. You shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't have done that or you, you know. Right. Right. So, and, I, and I think in these podcasts, you give away a lot of information. But the one caveat to that is that information doesn't apply to every situation. And every situation needs to be handled differently and and the right way. So, you know, that's you're not going to get all the answers through the podcast. If that's why it's in your best interest to talk to somebody specifically about your case. Yeah, the same thing was, as we joke about YouTube. It's yeah, there's a lot of good information out there, but yeah, it, it, everything is case specific, and we talk about you know general law and general concepts. And yes, yeah, some of this may apply to some people, and some of it doesn't apply to some people. But it it, it makes sense to just meet with somebody who kind of knows what they're doing and and just talk to them. I mean, most lawyers will do a, a consult. And, and get get your you know facts out there and get your uh, game plan together because it will make things way way easier in the long run. Absolutely. And if you want that lawyer that's looking over your case or hearing you having that consultation to be Carl, all of his information is available in the disclaimer at the end of the video. So stick around. If you guys have any questions or concerns or want to suggest a topic or appear on one of the podcasts, you can shoot us an email at uh, I always forget the email just long around at gmail.com. Is that yes. it? Yeah, okay. I always forget if it's podcast at gmail.com or just long. So it's just long around at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Uh, we'll take a look at it. If you want to hire him, his information is on the end. So go ahead and reach out to him through either text, phone call, or email. And we'll see you guys on the next podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice or advice for a specific case or legal matter. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as an agreement for legal representation. This podcast and parties do not represent you in your particular matter unless there's an express written representation agreement between you and this firm. If you're interested in obtaining legal services, head over to cnaplaw.com or call 215-268-6333 and schedule an appointment today. That's cnaplaw.com. 215-268-6333. For more high quality music like this, head over to bensounds.com.